I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, What's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Another week, another episode. We got the boys jumping in the background on this intro if you hear anything. Um, This week, got a real cool Whitetail BS session coming from my buddy out in the east. He also kills bucks all over, though. Guy's an absolute slayer of deer uh, been been had him on the podcast a couple years ago and reached out again was talking to him and i was like you know what let's have him on again good buddy trey pritchard um guys killed a nice buck multiple different states for seven years in a row now um and uh like i said really good solid bucks a couple badass non-typical deer uh, but we have a good whitetail bs session talking about his success and why he thinks he's had it uh, but we also get into kind of the way he's going about hunting in the future and this year and uh just a good bs session to kind of get you thinking about whitetail hunting um going into to motivation for late season because you need it out there it's cold as shit i know and some motivation for next year um but i'm uh, getting to the people that make this possible exodus outdoor gear you guys know the the thing had the call um with them again still um some cool stuff coming out for 2024 um, uh, if you guys are looking to get into a rival, it's a great time to do that. You can use my code, um, WL. I want to thank everybody that used that code this year. Um, huge support shown by you guys. Um, one thing that I want to mention that I don't mention a lot that I actually use, utilize this year is their booster antenna. So if you got an area that you're wanting to get a cell cam in and you ain't got real good service and you're kind of struggling and you're getting frustrated because you're trying this brand or trying that brand. Um, they sell some booster cam, uh, 
booster antennas that work awesome. Um, and they, you know, they get it up a little bit higher and they get a little bit better signal um, and just get enough to make that camera work flawlessly because we know how important that signal is for those cell cams to work, to send those pictures, to get those updates. Um, so they do have that on their website and you can use the code WL there, save you some money on that as well. Um, and if you guys have any, I got some message about Exodus this week and had some good conversation with some guys struggling with some other trail cam companies. If you have any questions about um, Exodus, don't be afraid to reach out. I'd love to chat with you guys. I'm not going to downplay any other brand. A lot of other brands, I haven't worked with their mobile cams or their reg cams a lot, so I don't know, and I can't downplay them. Um, the only thing I can do is talk about what I've had going on with Exodus. So if you've been interested in the product and you kind of been thinking about it and haven't, um, haven't you know pulled the pulled the pulled the check out and wrote it for some new cams and, and you're in the market. I know that uh, the tax season's coming and that's when you get a little excess hunting fun if you're anything like me. Um, and you, if you're looking to get some excess cams, reach out. I'll go over everything and you can make sure it's a right fit before you make that big purchase on all those cams. Um, Rec Broadheads code is still live there with Rec WLP 15 save you 15 percent. Um, you can support a badass broadhead company, support Matt and his dad. Um, and it sounds like they got a new broadhead coming out. They're kind of teasing a little bit. You know, it's time of the year, ATA is coming up. They're kind of teasing it a little bit, and they've had some success with it, done some videos with it this year. So interesting to see what they got coming out next year. Um, and just another another product that I can, I can throw at you guys to maybe reach your needs and uh, save you some money for listening to the show. Um, Next but not least, you guys know, um, if you're in the market for a thermal, reach out. I got that code from Dark Knight Outdoors, save you 50 bucks. Um, if you're in the, if you're looking for a thermal, you've seen how expensive they are. If you haven't coyote thermal hunted, my God, it's abs- it's so fun. It's incredible. It's like a video game. It's so nuts, cool. Um, the deer, the the coyotes act so different at night. Um, it's so cool um, to be be able to do that with with thermal um but if you don't have one it's something you can't do um, but you can change that with dark night outdoors reach out i'll give you that code be able to save you 50 bucks um and the last is the call out of the week now this is a little bit different call out um it's something that i do with my kids and my wife um and it just it's cool it's fun it's something simple funny pass the time while you're driving um so we call it the would you rather game um, so basically when you're driving next time with your wife or your kids, a girlfriend, a mom, whatever it is, um, turn your radio off, put down your phone, and play the Would You Rather game. Um, so a Would You Rather game would, would you rather have to eat cereal all year or muffins all year? Like it could be as silly as would you rather be a bird or a deer? Would you rather do this or that? And you have to tell them why. They have to say why they would want to do it or why they would not want to do it. Um, it gets you to know your kids a little bit better and your wife a little bit better. Um, and a lot of times the questions get pretty deep, and it's really fun to let your kids ask you questions because a lot of times their stuff is off the wall. Um, my One time my kids said, would you rather sleep on bubble gum for a year or sleep on uh, – what the heck is that stuff? That real nasty stuff that you, they buy, slime, the slime. Would you rather sleep on bubble gum bed or a slime bed for a year? And I had to think on that for a while. That's a big commitment, a year long. Um, but something really fun you can do with your kids or your wife, make it as serious or as funny as you want, um, and really enjoy that time 
in a car where a lot of times maybe kids want an iPad or you're talking, you know, you're listening to the radio, your wife's talking on the phone, texting, something you can bring your family together in that moment and just, just have a little fun. And your kids are going to remember that. And you might be able to ask some questions to your wife that maybe, you know, get to know her a little bit better. Um, so that's the call out for the week. Um, if you do it and you want a little bit of accountability, reach out to me. Let me know how it went. I would love that. I do have three accountability groups set up as we speak right now. Um, if you want some more information on that, that's something that I've been doing that's been incredible. I've been loving it. Um, and the guys in those groups have really been impacting each other, which I really like to see. Um, such a cool thing to see guys supporting other guys that they don't even know and wanting to see them do good and building that relationship over time and making friends from different states and, and, uh, and, you know, asking them questions about how their week went and stuff. It's just so cool to see that. Um, and there's a lot of good dudes out there that are doing that. So if that's something you'd be interested in, reach out, um, Instagram, Facebook, message me straight up, email, I'll get back with you. Um, like always, I appreciate you guys listening to the show and let's get into it. All right, we got Trey Pritchard on tonight. How's it going, brother? Good, man. How are you? Doing good. I had you on quite a while ago. I can't remember how long it was ago. Um, do you remember how long ago we had you on? Uh, it was two years. Yeah, two, two years, years or so. I mean, and uh, we got to talking, and you're still continually killing bucks um, year after year, and I'm following along, and I thought well, it would be better to have a chat of, you know, how, how's this guy killing for seven, eight years consistently, multiple different states, um, and they're all really solid bucks. Um, so I wanted to have you on again and, and chat with that. But before we get in too deep with that, uh, do a short introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Trey Pritchard. Um, I am from central Pennsylvania. I work in the pharmaceutical industry, so I drive a lot, listen to a lot of podcasts and um, pretty much whitetails year round for me right now. I'm trying to expand a little bit into some other stuff, some mule deer, some Western stuff, but um, whitetails pretty much consumes my life 24 seven. Yeah. You killed a slammer mule deer, didn't you this year? Uh, last, last year, year last this year I killed an antelope. Oh yeah, South that's right. Dakota. Antelope, yep. man, killer going out West. My buddy keeps trying to get me to go out there, Garrett. And I'm just like, man, I want to, uh, time is a factor right now. Cause I got so many damn kids, but I feel like if I go out there and get in some spot and stock stuff, I'll get hooked, man. I just feel like that's where it is. That kind of style of hunting is just so cool to me. Um, it's something that I haven't done a lot of, you know, it, last year was the first year of the year that I killed the mule deer. It's the first year that I went out West to hunt and I really went out with like no expectations. And when we got home, I literally went on our company's website and started looking to see if there were job openings like out west. <laughs> so I was like, I'll transfer right now. I'll do it right now. That's how I feel like I would be too. I'm like, man, they just so many more species to hunt, so many more seasons, you know, and you get tags for all of them. And it's just every, every one of them is a little bit different, but similar, you know, just so cool that they have so much you can do. Yeah. And I, it's cool, but. At the same time, I think after a year, I'd be like, I miss my whitetail. Yeah, I know. There's home. something about whitetail hunting that just that's just does it for me. Everybody's like, you turkey hunt? I'm like, yeah, I turkey hunt. Yeah, I do. I kill but... turkey hunts. I kill turkeys almost every year, but it's just like, man, I'm not even close. And some people yeah. are like obsessed with it. It's way better than deer hunting. I'm like, 
not even on the same spectrum for me, dude. That mythical whitetail is what I'm chasing out there. Well, like, I'll listen to, like, whitetail podcasts, like, for this possible point from the season and be hooked on it. Like, you won't catch me listening to, like, a turkey podcast in, like, December. Yeah, no, November. no, yeah, like, <laughs> no, no one's no one's game planning for turkeys right now, unless maybe they're buying out of state tags or something, you know. But no, there's there's just something magical about whitetails, man. I think it's like, you know, some people say like, oh, I passed this turkey for two or three years, you know, and I've been hunting <laughs> him, you know. But there's really no storyline to a turkey. Like, oh, it's a tom, this nice Called beard, him in, shot him. boom, you know. Like it's there's not a lot a lot to it. There's not that build up, you know. Oh, maybe you found his sheds or. You found his. You think you found his bedding area. Found some rubs. You're scraped. You know, is this him? There's not. You're not out there like, oh, this is a rooster tree. This is probably where he's at. You know. I mean, maybe some guys are, but I, I'm not. You know, I'm going out there and hitting the old. Oh, they're over there, boys. Let's go. You know. <laughs> and there is something fun, like the first week. You know, like the first gobble you hear of the year. Oh, like yeah. it's cool. Yeah. But after a week of it, I'm like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, Got I kill bird. a bird. I'm like, cool. yeah, okay, I'm cool. Like I. I would I like going with people and maybe filming or just hunting to get the experience, but killing really is like I could care less. But for deer, like oh, like yeah, let me be the trigger guy. I'm in on that, yep. you know. But like I would film turkeys all 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 spring and be cool with it just because it's just I'm like yeah, you know. I grew up in Missouri, really healthy turkey population, and just merc turkeys. You know, like we had farm tags and you know every single year. I'd kill some, my, my step-grandpa would kill some, you know, all my friends were killing turkey. It wasn't like, but if you killed like a 130 down there, people were like, holy shit, like this guy's got something going on, you know, but you kill a turkey, they're like, oh, cool, you know, but this wasn't it was hard over, it was hard this year for us, like our turkey population in Pennsylvania has just bombed, so it was hard getting into it this year because like we just didn't have birds to the point where the game commission put out something that said, like if you see a flock of turkeys, call and report where it is. Wow. So like it was hard. Like usually like a week or two before season, you're driving around, you're seeing birds strutting in the field, you're getting excited for that yeah. first week. When you don't see birds out in the, like it, it just it was hard to get excited for this year. Yeah, there's nothing worse than going out, you're up early, you're like, Oh, it's gonna be a good morning, then you hear no gobbles. You're like, What in the hell? And you're like, I can hear a long ways, you know, like there's yep. no birds anywhere out here. You, you know? tell Luce a call, and it's one of those where, like, if I was a turkey, I'd hammer that. Yeah. Like, I'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah. And just yeah. nothing. Yeah. And then you're like, you hear something that's probably an owl, but you're like, oh, is that a gobble? Like, I'm not real sure. <laughs> you know? You're like, that's kind of kind of sound like a gobble. Maybe there's one way over there, and, you know, and then you walk all the way over there, and ain't ain't shit over there. But, yeah, I've um, my, my turkey ground that used to be good um, – I don't know what happened. The, the neighbors logged, and I don't know if that kind of drawed them that way, but they're there in the fall heavy. Uh, but the spring, they're not there. There's, they're just not there anymore. Um, the hunting population is kind of high. I killed some birds off of it, so, you know, I didn't help the population at all. Um, but I got a buddy, I got a spot down south of a buddy of mine's, and it's just it's insane. There's money. No, it's just so many birds. It's such a big farm, and he leases it just for turkeys. Um, can't deer hunt lease it if he, we could, my God, that'd be fabulous, but it's huge, huge acreage that he just turkey hunt, turkey leases. Um, 
and uh, Mike from Harvest Time Outdoor come up, and I went, and we all killed birds. Um, so it's a it's a slammer piece. I killed mine uh, first weekend, which is kind of a harder weekend in Illinois because they're kind of grouped up and not real fired up yet, and it's cold. And um, but I was able to kill it first first set first thirty five minutes of daylight, you know. So, dude, I don't, how did we get so deep into turkey talk? I don't know. I don't we're know. talking about yeah. not being into turkey. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's how it happens on my show. Shit just goes off the chain. We. Most people are like, you got like a list or stuff you want to send me? I'm like, I can if you want. I have an idea in my head of how I want the show to go. Other than that, it just kind of goes on its own at this point. There's no – You're just winging it. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no kind of guideline for how it goes. But um, getting back into the whitetail talk, um, I, uh, I've i been following you, like I said, over the years. And every single year you're killing – you're killing in multiple different states. Um, and you're killing really high-class um, bucks. So you got to be doing something. I know you're living out in Pennsylvania, which out there, you know, everybody's like, oh, we got really high hunter population. It's hard to find bucks, et cetera. Um, you're killing there. You're also traveling and killing. Um, so I know you're doing some things um, different than most guys. Um, but if you could just kind of give a brief rundown of the bucks you killed and what states kind of as, you know, as brief or as long as you want to take it, just kind of give the listeners an idea of what you've done over the last seven, eight years. Yeah. So if you I can think remember I've them killed, all. <laughs> yeah. I think I've killed bucks in multiple states the last five years. So I'm 26 now. Um, so I think the last five years I've killed in multiple states. Um, usually I'll kill in, in Pennsylvania. And then Maryland, Delaware, Ohio, and then we'll usually do a Midwest trip to um, Iowa, Illinois. Obviously, Iowa's getting tougher. Um, and then if you include like mule deer and, and the antelope out west, but uh, bread and butter is really Pennsylvania, Maryland, Ohio, Illinois. Um, so the last couple of years, really, my bread and butter has been I've gotten the opportunity to kill early in Pennsylvania and then I've just had the time to be able to travel other places. Um, this year was a little bit different to be honest. Usually I'm like trail cam junkie, try to find a buck, try to pattern him, you know, do all the stuff you learn on tactics and you know, all that stuff. This year was different. Like I, I went through some different stuff with health and work and time. And I like, I didn't run that many trail cameras. Um, I didn't scout as much as I want. And I went into this season kind of prepared soup. Like I went in feeling like, like I'm not ready for this grind. And uh, I killed opening weekend in Pennsylvania. So it was one of those where like most recent Intel, um, one of the, the people that gives me permission to hunt, it's literally five acres, um, more suburban and they have, it's basically a big dried Creek bed. And up on the top, there's a bunch of white Oaks, red Oaks, and they were having deer that were working up this dried Creek bed and hitting the acorns. Um, so they actually called me Saturday morning. I couldn't hunt on our opening morning. And they called me and told me about this quote unquote big buck. And I didn't have any intel anywhere else. So I was like, you know what? 
we're just gonna hang it on it there's a creek down in the bottom it's hot um you know maybe i'll catch deer coming off the bedding basically staging in these oaks working down to the creek trying to stay cool and uh first hanging hunt of the year in pennsylvania i had this buck come in and um he's a mainframe eight with split brows and split twos and came into 25 yards made a great shot and uh i called my best friend and i was like he's like no there's no way you killed again and i was like dude i i don't know what just happened but uh you gotta get over here and he's like well how big was he's like well how big was it i was like i have no idea i've never seen this deer before and it, that's like the first first time in a couple of years that I've killed a buck that I haven't had pictures of that I haven't had history with. And uh kind of cool. Man, it was it was refreshing to yeah. be honest. Like yeah. going out with no expectations. Yeah. Um no cameras. It was just cool. And if you look at the bucks that I've killed in years past, score-wise he's not what some of those bucks were. Not having history, not having expectations like I didn't care whatsoever. I saw that deer and my heart rate went through the roof. And I was like, yep, you're, you're dead. Yeah. Cause you don't, and, uh, when you don't know what bucket is, you don't know if it's a shooter or not. So a lot of times you're like in that moment, you're trying to decide like, okay, shooter, not shooter, shooter. And just that little bit of like, for me, I always seem to fall on the killers. Like I'm killing him. Like if, he, if he's yep. edging like that, if I'm not like right away shooter and it's like, edging edging most of the time he's he's getting shot at you know <laughs> like so well and I've learned from this year is like there's different kinds of fun when it comes to hunting like two years ago when we did a podcast on that freak that i killed in pa like yeah. i ran so many cameras on that deer every single day after work i was doing something to try to get on him figure out his pattern catch up with him and that was that was like a stressful fun. And when it came together, it was worth it. Um, but there were a lot of deer that I passed on that year chasing that buck that like I would have been stoked with. Mm -hmm. I passed because I knew what was around. Like this was a different, it was almost like a stress-free. I have no idea what's around. Just I felt unprepared. Yeah. And you know what? If it got my heart racing, shooting yeah that was like um, this year i one of my main farms um that like a lot of my shooters were on last year um that never showed up there's i took my boy out there use season and in my mind i had picked up some new places so i was trying to utilize you know cell cams or red cams in spots where i didn't know what was gonna happen so i didn't know what was out there on that farm I took my boy youth hunting out there, and I found I seen some ground scrapes that were open and fresh. And I was like, okay. You know, that's first of October, that youth season, first week there. And uh, we ended up not having any success youth season. We've seen some deer, but they're I, – I don't let him shoot more than, you know, 50, 60 yards. He's real young. Hasn't – he shot a doe high, and nobody didn't recover it this year with the crossbow. But uh, anyways, I went out there, and uh, I hadn't run cams on that farm. And it was raining in October, or you know, the first or it was second week of October. It was raining first, first of the second week, you know, raining pretty hard. 
And I was like, I'm going to go hunt those scrapes. You know, rain's supposed to stop. Tr traditional October time frame, perfect scenario kind of deal. And uh, a buck came out and hit both those scrapes. When that, as that buck came out, I'm like, oh, that's that's uh, that's Frank. You know, that's like a six-year-old deer, five-and-a-half, six-year-old deer. I had pictures of him last year. He had busted his G2 off, and he was a little bit smaller than last year. Kind of the same frame, but a little smaller. Um, and, uh, I was like, man, I, you know, five and a half, six and a half year old deer, I probably should kill that deer. Um, but I wasn't running cams. So I was thinking, oh man, there's so many other bucks out here. Um, but this year that was the biggest deer that's on that farm. And I passed him that second week of October, um, at 12 yards, hitting a scrape. Perfect, perfect broadside. Had time to get my phone out and film him for a while. Filmed him on the camera like he was there forever, you know. Um, so it can work both ways, you know. If uh, if you're banking on there being better stuff there and you don't have cams, uh, it's better to just not know at all, you know, like kind of you did. But I was banking on all those bucks showing back up, and I passed the biggest, oldest deer on the farm that year because I'm thinking that there's other stuff. And then when I had that encounter, I hung some cams after that, you know, um, and I was like, well, I might as well get some cams up on these scrapes. And nothing showed besides him, you know. And then I had already passed him at that point. So I'm like, do you shoot him now? Like, you can't shoot yeah. him now, you know. Well, well, there's pros and cons to both, man. And I think, like, the hunting industry in general is so polarized in that, like, you either got to do it this way or do it this way. Like, run cams, pattern a single buck, hunt him. Or going deep on public with no knowledge. Like, dude, just do what, one, do what works for you. And two, like, do what makes you happy. Yeah, like, yeah. and that's one thing this year that was really enjoyable for me. It was just like, I got to go out to Ohio with, with my dad. We got a lease out there and we took literally a one day trip. We went out to the lease. We drove out six and a half hours to hunt for, for one day and drive back. Um, I got to, you know, share my buck with him. He, he killed one opening day on a different farm and I got to share that with him. And like I said, like this year was different from past years and like my preparation for it and my mindset going into it. And I'm not going to say next year, I won't try to find a single buck and run a hundred cameras, but it's going to be like, what feels right? that might change and i think people get so sucked into like i gotta be this or i gotta be that hey you don't man like just go on yeah and, and, and if that to you yeah. is like yeah it's okay to change too like if you have a year like you did where man i got a lot of shit going on i'm not able to get out there as much as i want i know some guys are like well i'm just not gonna hunt like don't do that it's okay to not be as prepared as other guys it's you know it's okay to not run 30 trail cameras it's okay to you know to just go out and hunt and, and see what happens like a lot of guys would be like well i don't want to waste my time i don't know what's out there sometimes that's fun like i did that a lot this year waiting on bucks to show up you know and was it a waste of time a lot of time probably um but there's a difference in running cams and not having bucks there and not running cams and not knowing what's there um, there's a difference on that because you kind of know that you're not going to see any bucks. So when you go out there, you're kind of hoping something gets chased through there through in the rut, you know? Um, well, and like, like back on the cell cam thing, like my cell cams, they're awesome. 
but like there is no argument no more deflating feeling than like when you think you're on a buck and you're running a bunch of cell cams and like you get in the stand you're like i'm in the spot and then your cell cam goes off like a mile and a half down the farm and he's on that camera and you're like well might as well just climb down like what fun, what fun is that? Yeah. Like Yeah, there's definitely something to that is you know I think it's great. They're great for I know a lot of people try to say most recent information, roasting for re- recent information. And I think that works for about 2 weeks out of the whole entire season. Where you can actually get that info and go and you know attack that deer. I see a lot of posts about people killing deer with their mobile cam, got a picture of them or whatever, but like if you're strategically trying to hunt this deer, fourth week of October, first week of November, second week of November, third week of November, those cell cams let you know that he's there. But there's you're not going to be able to be like, oh, I got a picture of him here and go hunt that and have a really good idea of, like, he's probably going to still be here. Unless he's with the doe or something crazy. But, like, if you get something on a scrape and second week of October, yeah, there's a real good chance you're in the right area. You know, you're on that deer. Um I feel people like, like you said, they miss the, they miss the boat. They're hunting those cell cams later into the year instead of just using them to let them know that they're still alive for one. And for two, they're letting the kind of as an inventory to, uh, deer of what, what deer is showing up um, and looking at the historical data of those deer where he was, you know, last year, this time, did he use this pinch? Did he not use this pinch on trail camera? And then kind of going from that, instead of trying to use those cell cams for, the day-to-day deciding where you're hunting, I think that's a bad mis- misinterpretation of how to utilize those cameras. Well, and it, like at the end of the day, like I, I a hundred percent believe that you could you can pattern a deer. Like, oh yeah, if he's hitting this scrape on low pressure days with a west wind, like and he's there every single one. Yeah, you probably have a higher percentage chance of killing that deer if you go in on a west wind on a low pressure day but like i said at the end of the day it's a deer like yeah i mean a coyote can come in there bump him out so, you know another guy could walk the property line and bump him there's so there's a lot of different things like and what's that deer have better to do like yeah he's a deer he's gonna walk feed if he wants to walk this way one day for no apparent reason he's gonna do it and you could be in there on the perfect pattern day and he's not there. And right, that's, yep. like, that's hunting. <laughs> I, I had a buddy of mine a couple of years ago. You know, he was talking to me about a property, and he's like, man, there's just not, you know, I, there's, the bucks are in here, but I just can't find the trail. You know, there's no real good trails. I'm like, he, he, there probably is no main trails. There's that's low deer population. You got a big deer in there. That deer just goes wherever he wants to. It's a wild animal. People think, like, they got a line out of their bedding. Well, he hits this trail. Then he wise here, and he goes. If you watch a buck in the woods, there ain't no pattern to how he walks. You know, people are thinking that they're. I know they're a prey animal, but they're not walking in a straight line. They're walking over here, browsing a little bit. Now they're over here browsing. Then they're over there. Like they're strategic, but not as much as people think that they're on the exact trail and and going through an area. You know, deer are so complex and and smart but at the same time it's a deer mm-hmm. like, i think a lot of times we overcomplicate it yeah that's what I, I catch myself doing that all the time 
Like, oh, it's easy to do. I'm always like, why? Why would he be here? It makes no sense. Why? And I'm trying to like talk myself out of hunting there because it doesn't make sense for why this buck would be there. But I know he's in there somewhere, you know. But in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't make sense from other deer that I've hunted and what everybody says on podcast or whatever. You know, the stuff that I read, why is this deer here? It doesn't make sense for him to be living in this tiny little block or whatever. You know, there's pressure here. It doesn't make sense. But then he's there, you know, and then you hunt him and you see him. You're like, oh, shit, I'm the greatest hunter alive. You know, but but two hours later, you're guessing on your stand location. You know, you're like, Changes ah. on a dime. Yeah, you're like, I don't know about this spot, man. It kind of seems, kind of seems, you know, shit. I don't know why he would be here. And then, boom, he's there, you know. So it's 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 a wild game. and. No matter what you you say, you can you can uh, you can pattern deer, you can run cameras, you can be as prepared as shit. But I still think it's about at minimum it's seventy percent luck. Like at minimal, that's for the even the people that kill every single year. It, they still you have to have skill, but you got to get lucky, dude. You got to have a little luck out there to be able to get that buck up moving. And you be right, not the wind squirrel. Like Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores, and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's so many things that can go wrong. Um, that you just have to have a little luck on your side to, to nail it all out. So, Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, the skill comes in, you know, that moment of truth, the shot. And even then, there's things you, like, you don't see a small twig, you know, looking through your piece yeah. or, you know, 
things happen. You, you get a broadhead malfunction. You get something that happens that you can't control. Yeah, um, I was always – I always said a couple years ago, you know, I feel like the luck is getting them to 60. Like you can get lucky and get a deer to 60 a lot of times, but the skill is that last 60 yards. Like picking yep. the right tree, making the shot, calling at him when he needs to be called to, not calling out a deer that don't need to be called to. That's like skill and time and situations. Um, but I feel like getting them 60, 70 yards, sometimes you just need a little luck to see that buck at 60, 70. But then closing the deal after that encounter is a lot more skill than luck, in my opinion. Like that's that's where the, the picking – Picking the location for how he's going to work through with the thermals or the wind, all that skill comes in within that last hundred yards when that deer is close to you. Um, I feel like yep. that's probably ninety-five, you know, percent skill and five percent luck a lot of times. Where the shit's got to be on the money for it to work because he might get forty and win you. He might get forty, but you still ain't got a shooting lane there. There's a lot of uh, planning, and like I said, that's just being in that situation. You know, getting used to being in that kill mode and uh, I can't remember who said it. it. Might have been Cameron Haynes. I heard say one time he was like, "If you haven't been in the situation of killing deer where you're drawn back on or an animal, you're not gonna be good at it. Like it's just something that you have to. The only way to get good at that is to do it. You know, there's yep. a lot of things you can practice, but you can't practice that. You just have to practice it by doing it. And that's what I was trying to tell my oldest boy. Like, we can shoot this 3D foam target as much as we want, but you can't practice drawing back and shooting on a live deer with the emotions and the adrenaline that you can feel in and the wind and you know the cold elements and everything you got going on in that moment without being in that moment there's no other way to do it so no and like even still like you know tell myself like every time i shoot like all right watch the last spot you know make sure you mark where he was standing when you shot him, you know, mark a tree that he ran past before you lost sight. And even still, like, people ask me afterwards, like, okay, where did he go? I'm like, I don't know. I blacked out. Yeah. I'm like, like I'm complete. good for the shot. And then I'm like, he went that way. But then you go try to find yep. the blood and you're like, man, maybe he didn't go this way, you know? 50 yards to the left. Like, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. And as many deer as I've killed, like, does, bucks, out of state, like, all different situations. And like, I consider myself somebody who has gotten the opportunity to shoot at a lot of deer. Like I still black out. And that, honestly, like, that, like I don't want to do it anymore. Like that's what's fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's something about being in a tree stand and looking at the ground and then being on the ground. It's like a different world. Yes. It's a completely yeah. different world when you're down on the ground, you're like, Man, it's kind of shit. Like, it looks good from the tree, and then you get down there, and you're like, man, this don't look as good as it did from up there, like, where you're shot. You're like, I shot him over here, and you well, get down. You, you, look, you look back up, and you're like, how did I get an arrow Yeah, you're, like, you're looking up. You're like, man, that does not look like a good setup, you know? <laughs> or may, was he standing here, or maybe he was over here? And then where you shoot him, and you look back at your stand, you're like, there's no way he was standing here. But a lot of times, you know, you're like, well, blood's right here. He had to be standing here. Um, but that – like you said, that just goes back to just time doing it. And that, like you said, that's something that you've had a lot of chances to do is kill uh, not only deer, but really, really nice, um, you know, class deer. So over the last seven years, you know, everybody strives for success and then they want success year after year. Um, 
what what do you think that you're doing that a lot of other guys might not be doing out there that's you know getting you to be successful every year oh boy um it's just like a couple years honestly it's just been following my gut like if i'm in a stand and i feel like okay i'm in the spot like i want to sit there if the last couple years since i've gotten a little bit more into like the mobile hunting thing and like there's times that i'm up in the stand for like an hour after i hang the stand and i'm like this isn't it like I'm not, it's not going to happen here. I'll climb down and move to where I feel like it is. And I think that's one thing that that's a lot. The mobile hunting game has allowed me to do is just go with my gut a little bit more. Um, you know, obviously taking into consideration food and bedding and, you know, all that fun stuff, but really just kind of like following my gut. And I think a lot of guys get stuck in like, well, I already have the stand hung, so I'm just going to set it out. Yeah, I've been and then there. it gets to the end of the night, and you kick yourself, and you're like, "I should have just moved." Yeah, like even if it's moving for like the last hour, like if you haven't seen anything for the first three hours of the hunt, like get down and move. Even if you don't get to set back, like set up again, like figure out your spot for the next day. And most of the deer that I've killed the last couple of years have been in situations where. I've either moved or I made a move based on something that I saw prior in the week or the day before. Um, so just staying mobile. And I, I don't think that's anything groundbreaking or new, um, you know, it's, especially I, with I, how big yeah. the mobile game has gotten. I think it is. Cause I mean, saying that you're going in there and moving, I mean, that's hard to do. Like you're getting set up and I, oh, a, lot, yeah. a lot of times when you go in, I'm sure this happens to most people, not just me. A lot of times when you go in on a morning hunt and you set up in the dark you know, and you get past that first hour and a half of dark or light, and you're like, this isn't it. Like, my shooting isn't good. Yep. i seen bucks up on this ridge. I probably need to be up there. And you don't move because you're worried about missing that time of, you know, I got to get down, hang my stuff, and move. You know, and I might get busted or a buck's going to come in while I'm doing that. Um, and that's a hard thing to do. But I feel like that is when that is key. Like, especially if you're in a new area. Like, you go into some public land, you set up. You know, and, well, the does are moving 80 yards over there. Like, there's a reason they moved over there, so you probably should move there. But it's a lot easier said than to actually do. Um, well, it's mental. It, that's mentally tough. Like, the last thing you want to do on a cold morning is that, the, like, your hands are cold. The last thing you want to do is pull the set that you took time to hang. You got up earlier to go hang and pull it down to move 50 yards to hang it again and sit after like what people consider like prime movement time. Yeah. Like nobody wants to do that. And a lot of times in your head, you're like, Oh, I saw all those deer, you know, 80 yards over, I could move over, but maybe that buck that I'm after, he'll do something different. Yeah. You're trying it only to, takes yeah. one or two times that like he does what all the other deer do where you're like, okay, like next time I think about it or see a deer do something like, just get down and move. Yeah, we 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 did that. Oh, it's a couple of years ago. We were on public, and we would we had just encountered our target buck in this bottom draw, and it's real cold. Um, and we went in there in the morning again, and the does that that this buck was on, they 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 kind of J hooked in their bedding different, and we were like, 
man, we probably should move up there where those does came through because that's what this buck's been on, you know. And uh, then we seen a, a pretty solid buck. Couldn't tell if it was a shooter pretty far away where those does worked through and came through. Um, and we're like, okay, now we should really show, go through the, up there. And we didn't move because we were like, oh, he was here two days ago, you know, working this bench with these does. Um, and 30 minutes later, there's another buck up there, you know. And we're like, gosh, dang. Like, And it would have been a pretty good move. But then you're at the point like, okay, it's 930 now. And then you're telling yourself like, okay, I missed my opportunity. I can't go up there and move. I'm going to set to 10, 30, 11. And believe it or not, there's another freaking buck that went up there through that draw. And we kicked ourselves in the ass all the way out that day. Because we knew, but it was, like you said, it was cold. We were set up. We had seen some small bucks moving through. And you're in that mindset of, I need to move. Well, I don't want to miss the movement. And then you wait so long. Then you're like, well, now it's too late. But in actuality, it's not. Like, if that's where you, like you said, you need to go with your gut, which is so hard to do. Um, like a lot of times, even with properties with me, a lot of times I'm like, I know this buck isn't there. I can like, I can just feel that he's not there, but you're like, well, maybe he's in this draw and you hunt it and he's not there. And then you're like, I knew he wasn't there. And then you're like, well, maybe he's in this draw. I'm going to hang a camera and you don't get any pictures of him. You know, like there's something about your instincts to kind of know that buck isn't there. You know, you're out there, you're not well, seeing the sign you're supposed to, and you're like, well, maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's moved over a little bit, but a lot of times he's just not there. Well, and this, this is just me, but I know personally, mentally, I would rather move or make a move that I think I need to and be wrong than sit it out and see what happens. Because if I don't move, whether good happens or not, if nothing happens, I'm going to kick myself. If I make the move and nothing happens, I'm like, you know what? I gave it a shot. Yeah, you like, put the effort in. You're like, okay, I put the effort in. You know, it wasn't what I thought, but at least I don't have to second guess myself of what if I would have moved up there, you know? I like that. Yeah, I like that style. I need, and, I need to add that a little bit more because there's sometimes when you're sitting there and you just know this shit ain't right, you know? Maybe you get winded by a doe or something. You're like, dad, this shit ain't right, you know? Um, and you just try to force it, you know? And I, uh, there's no cookie cutter answer for everybody. And I think that's what a lot of guys get caught up in is like, oh, well, this worked for, say, a Jake Bush or whoever, Mark Dury. Like, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. At the end of the day, you have to be in the stand to kill deer. And yeah. to want to be in the stand, you got to do what works for you and what's fun for you. Like, mm -hmm. if fun for you is, ground hunting moving non-stop still hunting calling like do that because that's going to get you in the woods more if it for you is sitting on a box blind over a food plot like and that's what's going to get you in the woods man do that like just go out and have fun and enjoy it and you're probably going to be more successful because you're going to be out yeah that's great advice people try to do you know okay you know the jury's having a lot of people having success on food plots and they they got a property. All right, I'm going to start running food plots. But the property doesn't set up well for food plots. The access is hard. The wind's not correct all the time. You know, and they're trying to force it to happen. Maybe the ground isn't good for growing. Maybe you can't get corn, beans, or shit to grow there without, you know, a bunch of lime or fertilizer or something. And you're trying Then you're just getting frustrated. But just like you said, sometimes 
you hear someone talk about a hub scrape. Oh, you find a hub scrape. Well, maybe you just ain't worth a shit at hunting hub scrapes because you haven't done it enough. Yep. But you're really good at hunting, you know, bedding areas. Or you're really good at hunting the downwind side of doe bedding. Or you had a lot of success in pinch points. But you forced that hub scrape because this guy was successful on it. So you got to be successful. But you haven't hunted it enough to know how these deer are using it. Then you miss opportunities maybe on your food plot where you've had success in the past trying to force it on this hub scrape or vice versa. You plant this food plot, doesn't grow as good. It's kind of shitty. Not a lot of deer using it. But you're like, well, I'm going to hunt the food plot because I put all this work and time in planting it, but there's nothing accessing it or using it. So you're kind of wasting your time there when you should be on the hub scrape. Like it's um, just like you said there, you can listen to a thousand different people, but you got to find out what you're good at and just do that until it stops working, you know? So. Yeah, and I feel like I think it comes like you have to define what success is for you. Like, if to be successful after a season, that means that you have to kill a giant buck. Okay, then maybe you need to hunt like you're good at hunting to kill that buck. If success to you is at the end of the year saying, you know what, I want to get better at hunting a hub scrape, like, I want to learn to do that. You have to be okay with, okay, like maybe I won't shoot a giant buck this year because I have no idea how to hunt a hub scrape or, or how to find one and commit your season to learning it if that's what you want to do. But you have to define what success is to yeah. you. Otherwise, you're going to be disappointed. That's a great point too. You know, it's, there's a lot of people that are changing their gear every year. You know, their setups, stands, maybe they're going to saddle, they're going to, you know, a different bow and, Sometimes it's just like, what works for you, it's cool to change, but if you're struggling with what you got now, maybe you should go back to what you had, you know? And I'm kind of... Uh, Dude, I'm I did of, that you know, with the saddle. Like, I, like, whole saddle setup in general isn't cheap, but I, like, it was a bad thing. It was a cool thing, and I was like, I want to get into saddle hunting. Dude, I hunted with it for, like, half of a year, and I was like, nope. It's not working for me. I don't like it. Like I went back to just like my mobile running gun set up with my stand and my sticks and like one, it was more fun for me. Like I dreaded going out in the saddle, but I wanted to force myself to do it because I thought like that was the thing. Yeah. And I like, I just sold it. Like I didn't like it. Some guys love it. My best friend loves it. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like some people get stuck on, man, this guy is doing it. I need to do it. That's how he's killing bucks. I'm, that's what I'm going to do to be able to kill bucks. And they just don't like it and they just force it. And then they end up not enjoying hunting, you know, and they're just trying to make this thing work. When, if you just went back, maybe, maybe you, you want to try mobile hunting, but you're not real good at it. You're still learning, but you got a damn ladder stand. You killed out of five years. Like, I know it's a ladder stand, but man, there's something going on at that ladder stand. Maybe you should hunt that ladder stand on a good, you know, it's a good spot. Like, it works for you. And I still have those spots. Like I mobile hunt 75% of the time, but I still have those stands where if you, if you need to be there, that's the spot. Like that's why there's a stand there, you know? So I feel like some people just get so wrapped up in it, you know? And like, like what you're saying about, you know, where you need to be. I did that this year. Like I knew I needed to be in this pinch. Like I I knew there, if there's going to be a buck come through there, it's always early, late October, early November. We had that cold front. And I was like, 
there's going to be deer going through that freaking pinch. I just need to get in there. But my mind was on another buck. And I was so dead set on trying to find him and hunt him down that I missed multiple opportunities on really good deer. And then by the time I finally got fed up and moved to that pinch, it was too late. <laughs> you know? I was like, you, you damn just... it. You know, just, I just kicked myself in the ass. I'm like, day late. I'm a day late. And I, we had that cold morning, November 2nd. And I was like, there is going to be a magnum come through that. I know there is. Boom. Frosty morning, big ass nine pointer, giant brows come right. Never seen the deer come right through that pinch. And I was just like, in the stand, you get the notification. You're like, I knew, yep. I knew that that's where I needed to be. But it's a spot you can't shoot more than 35 yards, 40 yards. You're like, you can't see very far. You're thinking, well, I'm, you know, this buck, I'm on a completely different buck that I want to kill, you know. But what do you do? You go in there. If I would have went there and had, didn't see anything, I still wouldn't have been any closer to killing that buck because I never found him anyways, you know. Yep. So sometimes yeah. if you know where you need to go, you just you just got to go there. It's hard to do, though, sometimes. It seems silly to say it's hard to do, but. It is, though. Too and many, until got, you've too experienced many options it, like out you don't. there, you know. There's just. Yep. You got this stand, this property, this stand. You can go over here. You can hunt this buck. And sometimes having all those options are hard. That's why. Almost. Yeah, over the last few years, I stopped kind of hunting one buck and just kind of hunting uh, shooters, you know, yep. which you can be successful, but at least when you hunt one buck, if you don't see a shooter, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I know where my standards are. I'm cool with not shooting anything else except this buck, so if I don't see any other deer, I'm cool with it. But when you're just trying to kill a good buck... And you're not seeing any bucks. You're like, damn, I'm terrible at this. Deflating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why do I do this? Yeah. I'm like, I, why, you know, and then you, even if you're kind of, even if you're kind of hunting a whole bunch of different bucks, you still kind of pick out one or two that you really want to focus oh, on yeah. anyways. Yeah, you have your list. So, you know, you're still running all these cams and all these other bucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just so much simpler just to kind of be like, all right, this is my guy. Or this is my two bucks I'm going to try to focus on. I'm going to throw my shit at them. If it sticks, great. If it don't, oh, well. And that's kind of what I'm going to do next year. Like, I'm going to go in and just hunt a couple bucks, keep it simple, and try to I'd spread myself so thin and so many different bucks and not going with my gut and going where I know that I should be. And then getting the damn, like you said, that's nothing worse than getting a cell cam pick. You're like, man, I'm dumb. Like, I knew, I knew I was supposed to be there. But. I think you summed it up, man. Like, keep it simple. Like, define what what your success is and have fun trying to chase it. Yeah. Like, if you killed something every single set that you went out, it, it would lose what it is to us. Like, yeah, it, it would remember, yeah, remember why you started. Remember what you defined as success for that year and just go chase it, however that looks for you. I know there's a lot of people out there that listen to this that are trying to kill that first big buck, or maybe they killed a good buck, and now they're trying to kill that really good good buck, you know? And I miss those years, dude. I miss that desire and just absolute the fire that you had just to try to kill. You're like, oh, I'm going to kill a really good buck this year. You know, like that first one, man, those were some – I know the people that are in it are like – kicking rocks right now because they're probably struggling learning but they don't realize how good how good those hunts are when they come together because 
you know, those first giant bucks are just, they just mean so much, you know. Agreed. Agreed. And it's something that, like, when you look back, like, I remember what camo I was wearing. Oh, yeah. I remember what, what arrow I had knocked. Like, it's... Not that they, not that special, they lose, man. not that they lose their luster, you know, of like, oh, you killed a good buck, but there's just something about like those first three or four good bucks that are on the wall that really resonate with me. And then after that, it's like, oh, another good deer, another good deer, you know, another good deer. Um, but it's just, it ain't, ain't the same. And I, when I killed that absolute giant, that's what you're kind of faced, you're faced with now. You're like, all right, I kill another mega, then I'll. I'll get that feeling again, and it's hard to find the megas, dude. It's hard it's, if you do find them. It's extremely hard to kill them, and that's so downplayed. Like I, I mentioned that on a couple podcasts ago. Like, how many guys out there, if you took hundred percent percentage, actually killed a buck over one fifty with a bow? Like, it's a small percentage of all hunters, you know. Five, yep. five, six percent, maybe. You know that have killed that killed a buck this year, one fifty or better. You know, with a bow, like. But you you get on social, it looks like everybody's done it. You know, it's just you're you're seeing the best of the. You know, you share everybody's sharing what they're shooting, but all the guys that ain't killed shit ain't sharing nothing. So. Yep. Um, That's what you just like I said. It's that you got to stay in your lane and remember why you're doing it, yeah. not not other people. Yep. I, I did a whole podcast on that. I mean, I'm out there trying to kill deer for content and killing deer that, you know, I was happy with, but not the deer that I actually wanted. And this year I didn't do that. And like I said, I passed that buck Frank and years past, I would have shot the shit out of that deer, dude, you know? And now sitting here, to, you know, thinking about it, you're like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been, I would have shot that deer, got content, but I wouldn't have been like sitting here jacked of, of the, yeah. year. you know, you killed a mature deer. Great. But you wouldn't be sitting here like, man, this is a hell of a year. Like, I'm, this is a good-ass year. You'd be sitting here like, yep, killed another buck, you know. So I'm looking for that at the end of the season. You're sitting there like, man, I, I smashed it this year. Like, that's that's what yep. I'm looking for. And you got to figure out what, like you said, you got to figure out what your standards are and what will make you say, I smashed it this year, you know, and, and not not waver from that. So Yeah, you got to stick stick to your guns. Yeah, well, I really enjoyed this whitetail, just kind of a whitetail chat, dude. This was fun, man. I appreciate it's kind you of a BS on. session, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I really, I, I like the BS sessions most of the time the best, anyways, because it's like I said, the a lot of the strategy's gone. There is some late season strategy, but everybody knows what to do late season. It's pretty basic, generic stuff, um, and I feel like this is what. A lot of people are probably thinking the same thing we are, just haven't had a guy to talk to him about it, you know. So hopefully they're relating along and be like, yeah, you know, that's what I need to do. Or, you know, try to get get some some guster from next year to, to rope it back in and, and send it for the 2024 season. No, man, any time you need to, to talk whitetails, give me a ring. I'm always, always down to talk about it. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate your time, dude. Well, it don't get met much better than that right there. Just a genuine BS um, whitetail podcast over here the late season. I absolutely love these kind of shows where we're just in there just jiving back and forth like a communi- com- conversation we're having out in the garage over some beers. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in all the way to the end. Hopefully this got the wheels turning a little bit, got you thinking about deer. 
Um, I am going to be doing the Bucks of 2023, um, and I'm going to be doing it kind of a different way. I'm going to be doing um, some Midwest Bucks, some Eastern Bucks, and some Southern Bucks, trying to hit each individual state for a Buck story, and then kind of seeing at the end if any of them coincide, any similarities from the East to the West. Um, so if you have a Buck that you shot last year, Big Deer, um, that you want to talk about, reach out. Um, and I'm looking to get some just regular guys that haven't been on a podcast. Maybe you've been on one, don't matter. Um, but just no, no, no name guys just on here chatting about deer, about the buck that they killed in 2023. Um, and it's going to be the Midwest Bucks of 2023, the East Coast Bucks of 2023, and the Southern Bucks of 2023. Um, and uh, might do 10 episodes apiece. I'm not exactly sure on how I want to run this series, but you guys know I'm a big series guy. So if you're in one of the states um, that I mentioned, you know, anything on the East Coast, South, or Midwest, reach out. Let's chat about your buck, man. I'm excited to get some new guys on the show and listen to your story um, and uh, listen to the success and motivate others to be successful next year. Um, like always, love you guys. Appreciate you tuning in all the way to the end. You support me so much in so many different ways. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm growing with you and you're growing with me. My family's growing. Um, and uh, I really appreciate all you guys um, supporting me over the years and over the weeks of listening to this show. I know a lot of people say that and don't really mean it, but, uh, man, I, I truly, truly mean, mean it, and I really appreciate you guys. Um, love all the messages I've been getting here lately uh, talking about the show and uh, the route that I'm going with trying to motivate people not only in hunting but in life and, and dad and fitness and health and um I'm going to keep going that route. That's what my heart is drawing me, and that's the way that I'm going to go, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Like always, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and White Tail Legacy is out. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? but after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.